silent under the heat. Nothing seemed to move except the wind ripple of grass, and a solitary hawk, wings motionless, that easelessly rode the cloudless sky. Colonel Leroux was not deceived by the emptiness. He had spotted the dead ground as they rode, and he knew the Germans, good professionals, were out in the plain, spreading the cordon that would drive the fugitives towards the river. He knew, too, that the British were marching eastwards, that some of their men would be following the river, and he guessed that he and his companion were being driven into an ambush. So be it. He was trapped, outnumbered, but not beaten. He could not be beaten. He had never been beaten, and now, above all other times, he had to regain the safety of the French army. He had come so near to success, and when he completed the job, then he would hurt the British as they had really been hurt in this war. He felt the surge of pleasure at the thought. By God, he would hurt them. He had been sent to Spain to discover the identity of El Mirador, and he had succeeded this afternoon. And now all that remained was to take El Mirador back to some torture chamber and squeeze from the British spy the names of all the correspondents in Spain, Italy, and France who sent their messages to El Mirador in Salamanca. El Mirador collected information from throughout Napoleon's empire, and though the French had long known the code name, they had never discovered his identity. Leroux had, and so he had to escape this trap. He had to take his captive back to France, and there he would destroy the net of British spies who all worked for El Mirador. But first he must escape this trap. He let his horse walk into the cool greenness of the wood. Come on, Delma, we're not finished yet. He found what he wanted just a few yards into the wood. A fallen beech tree, its trunk rotten, lay in front of a tangle of brambles and wind-driven leaves from last year's autumn. Leroux dismounted. Time to work, Delma. His voice was optimistic and cheerful. Delmar did not understand what they were doing, was frightened to ask, but he followed Leroux's example and stripped off his jacket. He helped the colonel clear a space behind the log, a hiding place, and Delmar wondered how long they would have to crouch in thorny discomfort until the Germans gave up the hunt. He smiled diffidently at Leroux. Where do we hide the horses? In a minute. Leroux dismissed the question. The colonel seemed to be measuring the hiding place. He drew his sword and poked at the brambles. Delmar watched the sword. It was a weapon of exquisite craftsmanship, a straight-bladed heavy cavalry sword made by Kliegenthal, as were most of the French cavalry blades. But this sword had been made specially for Leroux by the finest craftsman at Kliegenthal. It was longer than most swords, heavier too, for Leroux was a tall, strong man. The blade was beautiful, a sheen of steel in the dappled green light of the wood, and the hilt and guard were made of the same steel. The handle was bound by silver wire, the sword's sole concession to decoration, but despite its plainness the weapon proclaimed itself as a beautiful, exquisitely balanced killing blade. To hold that sword, Delmar thought, must be to know what King Arthur felt when he slid Excalibur, smooth as grey silk, from the churchyard stone. Leroux straightened up, seemingly content. Anything behind us, Delmar? The dragoon captain turned. 
Nothing disturbed the peace of the beeches and oaks. No, sir. Keep watching. They're not far behind. Leroux guessed he had ten minutes, which was more than enough. He smiled at Delmar's back, measured the distance, and lunged. He wanted this kill to be quick, painless, and with a minimum of blood. He did not want Delmar to cry out and startle anyone who might be further into the trees. The blade, as sharp as the dead had left its maker, pierced the base of Delmar's head. Leroux's strength, an enormous strength, drove it through bone, through the spinal cord, and into the brain. There was a soft sigh, and Delmar crumpled forward. Silence. Leroux guessed he would be captured, and he knew, too, that the British would not let Colonel Leroux be exchanged for a British colonel captured by the French. Leroux was a wanted man, and he had seen to that himself. He worked.